Good morning, everybody. This is Brother David, your messy minister, and I am about to have another interview. I'd like to introduce my audience to Mr. Shannon Thomas. So, Mr. Thomas, for the benefit of my audience, could you please just tell everyone who you are, what you do, how you know me, and lastly, who are you in the body of Christ? Floor is yours. Uh, that's a whole lot. I'm just, uh, like you said, I, I love your introduction. Uh, messy, messy, messy brother, messy, messy minister. Yeah, that's who I am. I'm, I'm a person who, you know, just, I want to serve God. I want to serve God, um, and live life. I don't want to be so spiritual that I'm not able to connect with people. You know, that is, that is my dream. I grew up in church, um, a teenager, got curious Left church, ended up getting in trouble, went to prison. Um, God opened the doors, allowed me to come out after a long period of time. And I realized that I have a calling on my life and I can keep running around in circles trying to figure out what the meaning of my life is or I can get down to business and do what God wants me to do. And um, ever since then, he's been blessing me. I am a minister in the uh, Emmanuel Apostolic Church. And how I got to know you is because you are a real brother. <laughs> you know, some some people, you go and talk to them and you hear a whole bunch of Christianese, you hear a whole bunch of what sounds good, a whole bunch of Bible. But then you have those who are able to, you can relate to on a real level and talk about real life. How does real manhood meet holy manhood? You know, and so that's that's how we connected. And then you you blessed me have my own business, um, handyman business. You blessed me and had me do some work for the house. So, <laughs> you gotta your brother good. up, had the little money away. So, so no. So thank you for that. So, um, so Shane, are you married? You got kids? Yes, I am. I am married. Um, this year will be seventeen years. I have two stepchildren. Um, one they will be twenty eight and twenty nine. Ooh, yeah. You're only be, 25. How does, how does oh, that work? Oh, Lord. I wish I was only 25. <laughs> I'll be 49 this year. Oh, so. uh, okay. You look good, man. That's Thank it. You. Black, not crack. You want, you want to make sure. <laughs> okay. So let's get into what you do outside the church. So handyman. So exactly what is that? Explain that to my audience. Um, I have a gift. My gift is figuring problems out and work with my hands. I, I build. And so... Um, I am your typical handyman. If you have a leaky faucet, if you um, need your floor fixed or a door's not hanging right, but I also do major remodels. So I tear down complete bathrooms and kitchens and put it, you know, anything from the floor up to the ceiling. I do 90% of my work is interior. Um, I'll do exterior when it comes to windows, doors, fence, and decks decks, but everything else is inside. Fantastic. So how did you get into this work? How did you learn? That's a lot, man. That's, well, intrigue means a lot. How, I mean, did you go to school? I mean, we were apprenticeship. I mean, tell me how, how that happened. So it, it's a long story, but it could be made short, made short. I, at probably eight or nine, um, you see a lot of kids who they take things apart and they put things together. Well, I ended up at the house. It started out, my dad had the old uh, VCR, you know, the old VCR, and it wasn't working, and so he was about ready to throw it away, and I was like, hey, let me let me play with it. So I played with it, took it apart, put it back together, and it worked. 
and they were shocked. And ever since that point, they've been um, tapping into my gift, even though I didn't know it. They'd send me to go to help different brothers at the church, you know, do drywall, help out at the church building. And all of that was building my resume for my gift. So how long have you actually been in business as a handyman? I've been in my own business for uh, about four years now. Okay. So I'm going to say business has been good. It has been good, but uh, it's a lot of work. And I'm going to tell you, I at the beginning, I thought, what in the world? I, I don't want to start my own business. I'll just work for somebody else and make some money. Um, but it has opened up doors more than just the skill part. It's opened up doors for ministry. It's opened up the doors for a relationship. Um, but uh, it has been blessing, but it has been a little stressful, too. You know, business, when you have your own business, it's not just the gift. It's maybe some other areas that you have to learn how to do, and that can be frustrating. So you serve as one of the ministers at uh, Emmanuel Apostolic Church. You're an ordained minister. So not, not ordained yet. Well. I am. I'm in the process right now. You're ordained, ordained by the Lord. There you go. And so there I'm you not, go. We're, gonna do, we're not going to do church easy. Okay, 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 okay. I'm going to do Bible. <laughs> you can do you. I'm going to do Bible. The Lord says right. you're a New Testament priest. You're a New Testament priest. And the church said amen, but enough about that. <laughs> um, what I was going to ask is, um, as an elder or a church leader, what do you find that people just either misunderstand or get wrong about church leaders? Some folks have their own opinions of perhaps how things should go or what your role may be. Can you explain from the audience what it means to be an elder? Because not every Reformation is elders. So Emmanuel is part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the world, mm -hmm. but I've got folks from Methodist, Baptist, mm -hmm. whatever. They may not have elders. So mm -hmm. explain to my audience what is an elder. If you would have asked me that question... I'd say probably 10 years ago, um, being raised under PAW and PNDC, I probably wouldn't have been able to give you a good answer. It took me to go away from this to understand who I am and what proper leadership is. Not saying that there isn't proper leadership, but sometimes I think the misconception comes because um, just like if you're at a job and your boss acts a certain way, you think, well, that's what bosses do. You know, that's whether, and maybe he needs training in an area, learning how to communicate, learning to explain what this role is. It's not about being dominant. It's not about this. I say that to say that um, the elders in church, biblically, is supposed to help guide the sheep, help meaning not dominate, not lord over, but as a guide. Um, if someone, not necessarily even to give the answer, but to help find the answer, to help um, people learn how to go and read for themselves, to help people to understand who God is, to help people to say, hey, communicate with God, not for me to come in and say, oh, well, this is what God wants you to do. This is what God, because I'm an elder, this is, and I'm speaking, and so you need to listen to me. I think that's kind of where we've steered wrong. And so if I was to say what I feel an elder is, is a come along, stand beside, and to help. Sounds good. So you got elders, and then you got your pastor. So how does that hierarchy work? So there's pastor, and there's elder. So what's the difference? So... 
pastor, his job is to promino and bosco, tend and feed the sheep. Elder, if you look at it biblically, pastor is just an elder, okay? He has a job to do. So do the elders have a job to do. But there can only be one rudder. Everything has to go in the same direction. And so if you had all the different elders doing what they want to do, you may go in different directions. And so what happens is it's not that the pastor is over or better. It's just he has a calling to lead the ship in one direction. Okay. Sounds good. So, And so as an elder, my job is to help him tend and feed the sheep. So if I look at the shepherd and the sheep, I got the shepherd who leads the sheep to green pastures, protect against the wolves. That's a lot of sheep. So you can need some help. Yes. Some of y'all might be sheep dogs to help mm -hmm. keep dirt going one mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. Some may help fight off people mm -hmm. who are trying to disturb the feeding and the care of the sheep. Mm -hmm. And the shepherd might need some help. So perhaps undergirding, mm -hmm. you know, supporting of the of the chief elder or the, or the sheep. So I get it. So I understand elder. Another thing of an elder that is um, not spoken about a lot and not utilized is elders. There's multiple elders to help for accountability of the pastor, of each elder. We don't use that a lot. That's fantastic. It talks about that in the word. Uh, giving a good example, I remember uh, Peter was eating with some Gentiles and he was having a good time until Paul rolled up and all of a sudden he jumped up. Oh, right, right, what? Right, right. I don't know them people. <laughs> Right, right. He was being himself at first. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You tripping, fam. You was just chilling with them. Now all of a sudden you don't know them. Right, right. So so after being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, you mean that the apostles and elders could still be carnal? Mm -hmm. You What? We, we don't want to say that too loud. What, we don't want to say that too loud. What's it talking? <laughs> okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So, okay. So let's move into... Talk about the pandemic, not just the pandemic, but 2020, 2019, I think it's safe to say that the country as a whole has been through a, a great period of chaos and trauma. Mm -hmm. How did the pandemic, our former leader and all the strife, how did you um, manage that? How did you navigate that stress of businesses shutting down, to all of the violence that we saw as a nation, uh, people starting to splinter, um, just the things that some folks thought, this is it. Mm -hmm. Every time there's mm -hmm. some drama, mm -hmm. church folks start saying, oh, this is it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the end of the world. How did you navigate all of that? Uh, and was it easy or not? Um, I think at first, I've had the same question I think everybody living had is why? Why? What's what's going on? You know, um, for those of us who um, are saved, the first question, Lord, what's going on? Are, are you coming back? Is, is this is this it? You know, um, and then things start to level out. And for me, it was more, OK, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I thank God that um, he has really he's. I think in this last year, I've learned more spiritually about what God has for me and the church as a whole. Um, and I had the opportunity to speak 
at um, our PNDC council. And one of the things that got put on my heart is... Could you unpack PNDC for my listeners? PNDC is a, um, it's a church organization up under PAW, which is uh, 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 Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. PNDC is the Pacific Northwest District Council. Okay. Okay. In there, um, in the, me speaking, basically it was sometimes we think that different things going on in life, God has to reroute or he has to change up his plan. And the thing that God shared with me is this didn't catch him off guard. He knew when he said from the very beginning, let there be light, that this would happen. He knew it. So the question for me was, what is my role in this? Um, as a elder in the church, um, wh- how do I encourage myself? How do I encourage my wife? How do I encourage those around me? On top of that, losing a, a pastor, a visionary, you know, on, that's on top. And so I was like, Lord, what, what do I do? What do I say? And so in speaking to the PNDC, um, to the audience, it was this COVID is really not about the world. It is about church. It is about his people. No matter what, people are looking for hope. And I'm going to just be real with you and give you what I think God is telling me. It is he's tired of church faking the funk. Did you say that again? (laughs) <laughs> He's tired of church faking the funk. But we want the funk. Got to have that funk. Yeah. Well, when you when you are talking about God and you're saying, well, God said this and God wants you to do this and there's no evidence behind it, then people start to steer into what's going on in other ways. And the God that I know, he is a jealous God. We don't speak on that a lot. He is tired of church people saying, hey, I'm coming in the name of God and this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to send me this money so I can send you these handkerchiefs or he wants you to do this. He said, listen, I need to clean house. I need to clean house because I want to show my power and I need to do it through people that are not tainted. And so I look at everything going on here. The world is the world there every day. Even before the COVID, they're up under judgment. It is, what is the purpose for this? If you really look at how COVID is affecting, the world is, nothing's changed. The only thing that has really changed is church as a whole. It is really devastated in a lot of ways. A lot of churches have shut down. A lot of churches have split up. They're limited in doing different things. Now, mind you, they're still having church and people are still being anointed and preaching. But there is a separation of tares and wheat. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, I really believe, is God is about to send his power. And I say send his power. I mean, I think he is setting the stage to show the world who he really is. We, We read about it. We talk about it. People being healed. The blind coming to see the lame. I think that that the setup is in the making right now. And that's that's how I feel. For me, when it came to my business, I had the first two weeks off. And since then, I've been going nonstop <laughs> praying, Lord, give me a break. <laughs> you know, but I, I truly believe this COVID has nothing to do with the world as a whole. OK, so 
when I say... Or very little to do with the world as a whole. If I ask you, what does the black church mean? How would you respond to that? I would say that that means that there is limited power. And here's why I say that. Um, when we talk about the anointing, there is no color to it. Um, I think that we've separated ourselves for our own comfortability and what we're used to. And if I say, well, this is about the black church, the same thing if we separate Pentecostal, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, there are goods in it, but there are also areas that need improvement. And I get that um, information from Revelation, where it talks about the churches. Hey, you're doing good in this area, but you need to work with this. So do you not think that there's a need for a black church to speak to the heads and hearts of black people? I do, without it being emphasis on being a black church. So no ethnos is what you're saying. It should be all... Uh, Apagos. So what I mean by that is, allow me a second to unpack this. In Western Christianity, mm -hmm. uh, and for Africans who were brought here mm -hmm. uh, in chains, Christianity was initially used as a weapon to try and uh, colonize, subjugate, and manipulate uh, people of African descent to make them more docile, so mm -hmm. they could be better mm -hmm. slaves. Mm -hmm. And so as they were trying to witness to these Africans, they were trying to use scriptures that had been grotesquely redacted mm -hmm. and preached in the wrong way to make them think that God ordained them to be slaves mm -hmm. and they were less mm -hmm. than done at all. Mm -hmm. However, as the Spirit of the Lord moved on these Africans, they began to get hold of the entire gospel, learn about right. the Exodus right. and how the Lord doesn't want us to be enslaved, that he wants us free. And that chateau slavery, man-stealing, mm -hmm. was actually never authorized mm -hmm. by God. Mm -hmm. And so what was meant for evil was eventually turned out to good, as God would say. I say all that to say this. The only way that our ancestors were able to learn about how the country ran and governmental ideas was through the black church. Mm -hmm. So in black churches, our first lady and our and our pastor became basically our mayor mm -hmm. or our mm -hmm. president. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it was a it was a point of necessity that the black church was the staple in the community to make sure that black folks could get the information they needed to not just survive but to thrive. Mm -hmm. So I think historically the black church was a necessity. Today I believe the black church is relevant and necessary, but in a different space. I think I what has been lost is the foundational reason why we came into community culturally was to make sure that our sheep were being fed mm -hmm. by shepherds, like mm -hmm. you said earlier. Mm -hmm. So when I say the black church, I'm not thinking politically. I'm not thinking um, super culturally. I'm mm -hmm. thinking as one of God's children he made it different for a reason cultural expressions of faith are important yes but ethnic origin does not create a hierarchy in the kingdom correct so correct. if i understand you correctly sometimes we place too much emphasis on the blackness of the church 
instead yes, of yes, yes, you know yes. that as the church, yes. God's going to use our ethnic differences mm-hmm. to be glorified. Those who were supposed to be this have now become this. I, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Not emphasis on culture. Right. Um, the it, it, I really believe that a church needs to represent their community mm-hmm. where they are, um, but not um, exclusive. You know, anybody that comes in, no matter white, right. brown, hey, you're welcome as a part of family no matter what. And welcome who they are. And when I say who they are, I'm talking about their culture and different things. Okay. Um, let's see. What can you think of that church members can do to encourage church leaders? Uh, and what I mean by that, sometimes I, I've been going to a lot of different churches, uh, 13 churches in 30-odd years, some in the military. But what I've noticed is that often as a parishioner, we really want everything from the pastors or from the leaders, give, 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 right? And so as servants, um, those people like yourself would just pour out, pour out, pour out. What is it that the saints can do for leadership that... Uh, historically is not done um i say this with hesitancy because i think it needs clarity but i think that um one of the things that saints can do when it comes to leadership is to biblically challenge does that make sense no, what i'm no, saying it does. um not just i think we've come to a point to where we come to church we hear the pastor you think for me you pray for me, you read the word for me, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. It is good to ask the question, hey, why? Not under a rebellious, but to get an understanding. Hey, how did you get this information? Because the objective is not to uh, be a lemming. The objective is to be able to read, to eat, to pray for myself, to have my own relationship with God. And if I am not taught those things, then what happens is you have a leader who is like, well, I don't have to work as hard, so I'll just tell them what thus said the Lord. And it's not, it may not happen right away, but over a period of time, you end up having to where you have in some religions where it's all about what the leadership says. And the leadership itself can be steered wrong. And so I think um, a healthy um, challenge, in other words, um, going to leadership and saying, hey, you know, what you said was pretty good, but how did you come about that? Um, uh, is there a way for me to learn a little bit more? How, where did you go? Can I go there to try to get some information as well? And what that does is it keeps an accountability. It, it's, it stops of, well, this is what I said, and, you know, you just believe what I said. I've heard that growing up a lot. Well, uh, this is what I said. Just trust me. Just, just trust what I'm saying, and that can, that can, that can put in hierarchy. And when it comes to church, there is a hierarchy, but not of well, just do as I say, and that's it. So what you're saying is, he gave us some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers to equip the saints. Yes. For the work of the ministry. The the, the operative word equip. Equip the saints. Yes. So if I'm a shepherd and I bring it to a green pasture so you can eat, I'm not supposed to chew the food for you and it's spitting in your mouth? At the beginning. 
okay. the very beginning. Okay. But there comes a time where you need to start learning how to chew yourself. So if I'm reading the Bible, I'm like, um, why are we here? Why we got to eat here? I don't eat Leviticus. I really want to, you know, eat on some acts. Because I want to hear about the Holy Ghost. Yep. You know, I don't know about this law. So chew it up at first. But eventually it's, hey, let's go back because you need to learn how to tie your own shoes. Mm. You need to learn to be able to, in order for you to accomplish what God has for you to accomplish, you're going to be leading some people in the gift that God has given you. I'm not going to be here forever. And so um, I, I strongly um, suggest, I don't know if anybody in, I'm on here, you said the world is open. Mm -hmm. Read 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It explains a lot about leadership, which I don't think us as um, leaders in the church grasp. In other words, I'm a leader, but that doesn't mean I have the know-all. It doesn't mean that um, I my gift is better than the next person's gift. It is all about, hey, maybe I, I can only take you so far and you need to go to someone else or another area to get better. And maybe I lead now, but eventually I'm supposed to be following where you are going. Wait a minute. You mean as my elder, you're not all things, all people? No, you, sir. You're not one-style shopping? <laughs> no, sir. That's I, how I get in but, trouble. But, Elder Shannon, if I tie my shoes, you're going to make me walk. I mean, if you... I and mean... So, let's look at it like this. You, you have your son. When are you going to stop tying his shoes? <laughs> what if he told you uh, at, at 30, Daddy, can you tie my shoes for me? I'm going to say, bro, I got this off right. <laughs> <laughs> and brother just can't would, do would it you anymore. feel like you have accomplished fatherhood if you're always doing everything for him? Mm. So sonship is just as important as fatherhood. Yeah. So what you're telling me, if I have a father, I have to learn how to be a good son or a good daughter? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So if you, <laughs> if you cook the food and put it on the plate, I'm supposed to eat it and I just look at it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, what you talking <laughs> I'm learning here, Elder Shannon. No, Thank I you, sir. I think you already knew. No, sir. I'm learning here. Okay. So, switch gears. So, you're in a, a there's a team of leaders here at Emmanuel. Uh, you got a pastoral team, and then you got elders. And so, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of programs and people, and lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Do y'all get along? No. What? No. Y'all ain't seen me Kumbaya every morning? No. And I think to portray that we um, get along. And let me, let me put it like this. We're striving to go in the same direction. Okay. But that doesn't mean that we think um, alike. The objective is for us to come together and to put the best foot forward. You look at a basketball team, you look at a football team, you go to the locker room, they don't get along. But when it's time to get on that field, they play. One, they know, hey, this is my job. This is everybody stays in their lane, and that's just us as humanity. We'll, as um, our pastor passed away, we're we are coming to understand who our identity is, who we are, and just like a marriage, that there's a little friction there. That has to be a friction to understand. It says, uh, know those who labor among you. You have to know, okay, where is this person's strength at? Sometimes we have. Um, in life, we rely too much on one person or a group of people that we haven't had the opportunity to exercise our gifts. And then when it's time for whatever reason to exercise, we need to, we're bumping into people. 
We're, we're rumbling the wrong way. We're doing certain things until we start to line up. And that may take, you know, a little bit, but eventually we're all going to be thinking alike, acting alike, doing what God wants us to do. So diverse opinions, diverse personalities, diverse people trying to get on one accord. Kind of sounds like the body of Christ. So here's, a, here's my next question. We've noticed in the last couple of years a dramatic increase of hate crimes against black folks, against our Asian brothers and sisters, against the Latinx community, LGBTQ community, whatever it is. And one of the things that I've noticed as a student in history is that whenever people who have been marginalized try to get together, something comes along and tries to bust up that unity. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the enemy to me. Mm -hmm. In a place like Bremerton, and my audience can't see a look out the window, there's a lot of churches here. Why, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there a harmony where all the churches get together of different denominations and basically focus on the collective call on all our lives to grow in relationship, to be an assembly of like believers, and focus on glorifying God. There seems to be uh, some hesitancy mm -hmm. or maybe ambiguity to get the different houses of worship to come together. We all worship the same God. Yes. Any idea why that does? And if it does happen, unpack that. But I just haven't, I guess I don't see a lot of that. I'll see conferences and people say cute things mm -hmm. for an hour or so. But when the conference is over and the trip is done and revival has 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 worn off, I don't see the the cornonia mm -hmm. that's supposed to be happening. Mm -hmm. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? So I can only speak as what I perceive. Okay. Um and I say this with now forty five years of experience in the black church, um, not just Bremerton, but in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Um, under Seattle, pastors are humans as well. Okay. And pastors, even under the anointing, have insecurities. Okay? I see. And sometimes, um, while trying to do what God wants them to do, their insecurities get in the way. Kind of like, well, you know, I want to have an impact in this place too. And, you know, if I do that, then what are the people going to think about this? And what are people going to... So th that's my perception. I'm not going to say that that's exactly what's happening. Sure. But my perception is um, if people take themselves out of the way and allow the Holy Ghost within them, then there is the opportunity for merge. But if people... Um, allow their feelings and their insecurities to um, shape some of their decisions, then there will be that divide. Does that make sense? It does. I'm just thinking about when the Lord called the disciples, all of them, mm -hmm. to follow him. Not the 12 that we always hear about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There were 60 women that were deacons, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. deaconesses that funded all the ministry trips, mm -hmm. you know. I'm just, and they were all walks of life, um, all nationalities, all ethnicities. If it worked then, and there were people too, what's stopping that from happening today? 
So what we don't hear a lot of, but we get a glimpse of, is the friction. Mm. Back in, in the, with the disciples. And not major the friction, but they thought different. Well, when you talk about um, uh, the ultimate leader being Jesus, they had that ultimate leader to look to and say, okay, well, you decide between us. We're looking different here. You decide between us. And he says, hey, boom, 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 which puts both of them into a spot of taking themselves, their own feelings out. If today we decide to look to the Holy Ghost instead of to ourselves and say, okay, Holy Ghost, we're, we have this difference. How can you help us? How can we come together? If we take self out, then that same opportunity is there. Just because it's not happening doesn't mean the opportunity is not there. But we have to let the Holy Ghost lead and not pastor so-and-so or bishop so-and-so or elder so-and-so or deacon so-and-so make the decisions. Okay. Last couple questions. Um, you may not know me that well, but I read a lot. I, I call <laughs> about, you know, eight, nine books a sure, month. Okay. And, and I'm always reading every version of the Bible that I can. I believe that the Lord has called me to teach uh, to preach if he so wants me to. But really, I'm, a, I'm big on the saints falling in love with, with God's word. You cannot love the Lord and not love his word because the word became God. Yes. And so yes. that's how I feel about yes. it. What I've noticed and uh, spoken to one of the other members of this church, he said something very profound. And he said, Brother David, I believe that the Lord is calling teachers back. Um. And it, it resonated with me because I do a lot of teaching, impromptu, formal, and I've never had someone say, wow, thank you, but I already knew that. I didn't grow up in the church. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of holes in my holiness. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't tell you in words how much I love reading God's Word and how much I love studying it. Not to accumulate the knowledge, but when I can actually help somebody see how the relationship is formed by reading God's word, you can see the lights come on. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the reason that 85% of Christians, including ministers, have not even read their entire Bible or even tried to study it? I love that question. <laughs> I love that question because um, I had a personal experience with that. Okay. Um, uh, while I was in prison, Every day, you'd have different denominations come up, different pastors come up. And, you know, mind you, I grew up in church, so I knew the Bible stories, so I thought. I knew all the different, I heard the pastors preach, or you can say whatever, I know the story. Well, it got to a point to where the different pastors would come up, and it was my first experience of hearing different denominations, okay? And this pastor would say, um, interpret the scripture, and I respected this pastor. This other pastor would come up on Tuesday, and his interpretation would be different. But I respected this pastor. This is like, I got so frustrated. Seriously. I went back to my cell, and I was like, Lord, how can you fault me? I want to know. I want to learn. But it seems like I'm more confused than the person who don't even know you. W what do I do? I said, you can't fault me. Right then and there, he said, I want you to erase everything you think you know about me and start over in my word. When I started over, 
it, it illuminated to me what was word and what was man's interpretation. So if I can share this real quick, everybody that I come across, I, I bring that same story to them. And the one of the things I ask them is, um, and we hear this in preaching all the time. Who did Noah tell that he was building the ark? And they were like, well, he warned the people that he was, that the rain was coming. I said, where does it say that in the word? And I'm a type of person to where I, now that I need to see it. I need to see, and I don't want your interpretation. I need you to see either through Genesis, through Revelation, there's some evidence of that. We as people, we have a, 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 a knack for embellishing. We have a knack for bringing it to uh, an understanding. And so you hear preachers say, well, you need to listen to me. Noah warned the people and they didn't listen and see what happened to them. Well, I understand the concept, but what happens is when you skew the word, then um, it starts to skew everything else. And so as I was reading, I started to understand God's character. He started to illuminate his character. Number one, God is he's a king in the kingdom what god sets forth has to happen okay so reading in his word he decreed the destruction of mankind but he made an alteration and he said this people i'm going to save so why would he dangle Salvation in front of people, which he's already decreed to destroy. That is not his character. You know what I'm saying? So basically in all that, what I'm saying is in the word of God, black and white, in his Bible, there's no evidence that, that anybody knew that Noah was building the ark. Except for his wife and his children and their wives. And if you read the scripture much as I do, people walked up. Saw him building this big old boat and asked him, what are you doing? So one of the things they do, and we do mm -hmm. this a lot in preaching. Mm -hmm. We find scriptures to try to uh, help us. Mm -hmm. And so they, well, in the, in the New Testament, he said he was a preacher of righteousness. I can be a preacher of righteousness and you don't know what in the world I'm doing. A preacher of righteousness is saying, hey, don't steal. Hey, love God. You have no idea that I'm over here building a church. You know, so it just, to me, when it comes to the word, you ask the question why, I say because people go to church and they listen to what the preacher says and they don't go back and look at it for themselves. They go to church, pastor says so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and it's like, oh, that's good enough for me. So we have created in the Western church a consumer saint. They come in, they pay their tithes, and That's it's exactly like from the movie it. Gladiator. Are you not entertained? So they want the glitz. They mm -hmm. want the glamour. Mm -hmm. They want the perfect pontification mm -hmm. of the preacher. Mm -hmm. They want the charisma. Well, they, they, want, they want the emotionalism. Yes, yes. But here's where plot twist. I beat up the preachers. I have yet to hear a sermon where the pastor says, go home and read your Bible. That's yes. I toiled and labored for the Lord to hear from him by studying his word, confirmed in my spirit what I should say to the sheep. If I'm going to study, you know why? Why are you not studying? You know why I think we lack that 
is because as leaders, we want to be correct. We want to be right. If I do that, and I'm not saying that that is what people are thinking, but there's that possibility. If I put out there, go and check my work, there is assumption that I may be wrong. And God forbid if I'm wrong, teaching you. You see what I'm saying? That's what I mean, that accountability. Should I self reproof? My bad. I'm sorry. When, when I, I stand before, read that somewhere. When, when I stand before God, I can't. This is what he shared with me. He says, you can't tell me that, oh, well, Pastor so-and-so, Bishop so-and-so told you to do this. You have an opportunity to come to me for yourself. You have an opportunity. When he told me about reading his word, that was, you need to show yourself approved. I can't say, well, Bishop so-and-so told me. No. He's not here. Uh, you were able to talk to me for yourself. You were able to read your word for myself, for yourself. And so why didn't you? You want me to rightly divide the word? <laughs> what you talking? <laughs> but, but, but Elder Shannon, uh, I don't read very well. Uh, I might need a little assistance. How am I going to read the Bible and I can barely read? We live in an age where there is audio. What you talking? <laughs> where you don't have to be able to read, but you can hear. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Say things. But the, it's not, it, it is really about the attitude in reading. That For me, the whole experience was, I had to erase what I thought I knew. You know what I'm saying? We read the word even today, sometimes we'll read the word, oh, yeah, 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 boom, boom, boom. Instead of reading the word like, man, what, Lord, what are you saying here? What are you, why? And I got to the point to where I, I started reading, and it interested me because, like, well, why did he do this? Why did he? And I, it caused me to want to read more, the character of this person. And it just, it illuminated. It really did. So we have to get out of the... Um, assumption that I've gone to church for so many years and so I know. Okay. So I'm going to end with a statement. I believe when I said earlier that he gave us apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It was a gift. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is the executor of the gifts. Mm -hmm. Jesus decided to give this to the body mm -hmm. to equip and to edify them. The problem is we have people who are sitting on gifts and because they don't have an office, they think they get a pass for not edifying and glorifying God. Mm -hmm. I believe it's not the elder's fault if the teacher who's sitting four rows deep can see that people are struggling and doesn't flow in this gift and glorify God mm -hmm. because that person's sole purpose in life could have been that five minute conversation that day. And that's all God wanted that person for. So I think it's a, it's a family problem. Mm -hmm. uh, some denominations don't talk about the fivefold because they, they, they marry that to some of the abuses of Pentecostalism, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or whatever you want to call it. I'm anti-denominational. We've had this conversation for a long mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with them. I just think that when we put that over what God wants us to do, we start having problems. Yes, yes. Tradition over truth is never what God wants. Mm -hmm. um, he wants the relationship, not the religion. I say to say this. 
those verses exist in every single Bible, no matter what church you go to. Mm -hmm. How do you over? How do you skip that? Mm -hmm. So if I am in a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church or Methodist church, and there's no teaching ministry, meaning I haven't invited the teachers who feel led to help the saints understand or how to get into their Bibles. I haven't in introduced them or welcomed them or summoned them. There's a recipe that the sheep are not getting a sample as I'm leading them to green pastures. Mm -hmm. So my challenge to sometimes the pastors is, are you really doing your part? Uh, because if you are, God didn't say do it by yourself. Right, right. You know, God doesn't do solo soldier stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious if it's a matter of the family needs to experience some conviction. So you said earlier that God's going to show his power. I think he's going to wake some people up. Yes, amen. <laughs> you know, the word says that his prophets and his um, apostles will be to the end of the age. So I don't subscribe to sensationalism where the mm -hmm. gifts are gone. No, the mm -hmm. gifts are eternal. They still, yes. And so I just think that people need to have their gifts stirred up. I, I think they'd be stirred up. I agree with that 100%. Um, and I equate that to, um, I think exposure needs to happen in church. Just like you expose your kids to different things in the world mm -hmm. to see what they're good at, what their interests mm -hmm. are, that exposure needs to happen in the church. Some people, they don't know what their gift is because they haven't had the opportunity to be exposed to it. Just like kids, for me, I didn't know that my gift was fixing things until I had that exposure. And then once my parents seen that, that that's when they, they invested in that. As pastors and elders, we need to expose the saints. And when we see what it is, that's when we invest in that. Brother, I didn't know I was a teacher. And so someone's trying to explain to me, Jesus walking on the water, Peter seeing it falling, falling into the water. Mm -hmm. And people are like, I don't understand. I said, man, look, when I read that, I thought, this is a fisherman. He can't swim. <laughs> You know, that's the first thing, right? Right, right. So he focused on Jesus. Jesus focused on him. And then he gets so overwhelmed with what's going on around him. Because with trauma comes drama. And when you're full of drama, you don't think right. When you don't think right, the basic stuff you should know how to do, it disappears. Mm -hmm. So he was so enamored with reaching out to Jesus that he wanted Jesus, but not he didn't want the truth. Mm -hmm. The truth was... I want you to come out and come to me, right? Follow me. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to worry about anything around you mm -hmm. at all times. Not because you see me not walking on water. Right, right, right. The second he took his eye off Jesus, mm -hmm. oh, Lord, we, we going to drown. Mm -hmm. He falls in the water. You are a fisherman. Take a step further. Jesus is asleep in the boat. Mm -hmm. The brother's tired. He's man, but he's wrapped in flesh. He, you know, he probably had a little fish, mm -hmm. a little nap. He probably got the itis. <laughs> so Jesus laid in the cut. Just the wind started blowing, boats started shaking, they started tripping. You are fishermen. There was bad weather before Jesus. Exactly. Came. Exactly. Have you forgotten how mm -hmm. to steer mm -hmm. the boat? Mm -hmm. Our lives get messy. Yes. Marriages get torn up. Things are going great until they're not. But the second it blows up, you forgot how to do what you were doing before mm -hmm. the drama happened. Mm -hmm. So who's going to help you get back on course? 
Well, the prophet's going to say, hey, nations, because y'all ain't listening. Mm -hmm. God says, do this or else. And because you're not holy, God's not talking to you. You're mm -hmm. not in covenant with him. Mm -hmm. So he's going to use a mouthpiece to get your attention. Mm -hmm. That may be a five-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. It may be somebody wondering for office. Yep. You don't know who it is. His prophets are still there. The apostles are like, bruh, there is no church here. There is no shepherd to bring me sheep in so they can get fed to know who God is. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? So I'm going to plant a church. I'm going to put pastors in here. I'm going to be the pastor's pastor. I'm going to care for them because my job is to, is to actually plant. Mm -hmm. Pastors, feed my sheep. They won't come. Evangelists. There's people out there dying and crying and whining and all that, and they don't know who God is. If you have a heart for them to be better, mm -hmm. evangelize them. Tell them how good God is. I'm going to tell you how good God is. Evangelize them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Teachers, they're going to get in the building. They're going to be excited, emotional, happy, and not have a clue what is going on. Yeah. You need to teach them that everything they love about what their pastor is saying, the evangelist is saying, the apostle is saying, probably saying, they can get it too if you teach them yes. how to read the word. Yes. How to do that? One word at a time. There you go. At your own pace. Without your interpretation. Yes. Get a Bible that you can read and mm -hmm. understand. Mm -hmm. King James, Jetta James, I don't care. Get a Bible that you can read it first. Mm -hmm. Then once you understand the word, then you get into deeper studies. But the teacher that guides you in instruction. Now that you've had the benefit of being blessed by all these gifts, go and make disciples. Get out my house. <laughs> get out my house and go. It's, it's the same. Yeah. So stir up yeah. the gifts. Yes. And yes. so somebody trusted me out of the blue to just teach this. I looked at them like it was crazy. I said, um, I can barely spell Bible. You want me to teach this? He said, we think you've got the gift to teach. You should just teach it. And I, I did my best. Mm -hmm. But they nurtured that gift. Mm -hmm. They taught mm -hmm. me how to properly study. Mm -hmm. They knew the gift was there. It just needed to be honed and perfected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Apollos was trained by um, Priscilla and her husband to make him a better mm -hmm, preacher mm -hmm, and pastor, mm -hmm. right? He had to be undergirded, he had to be taught, he had to be mentored, Yes. right? Yes. And then he was sent. Every saint is a preacher. You know, you mentioned something there that um, I think in Christendom we don't do enough of, and that is sparring or honing our gift. We realize, oh, this is my gift, and then we start going wow, this is my gift. And sometimes if you don't hone your gift, um, you can do just as much damage as you do good. Um, in teaching, like you said, you had to learn how to, you know, what's the way to do it. In prophesying, just because you're a prophet don't mean you get all the words right. Nope. You know, just because you're teaching don't mean you always teach the right thing. But that there's a honing process of learning, okay, you know what, I messed up there. How can I better that? What, Lord, what do, what do I do to get better in this? Do you go to the gym and all of a sudden start lifting 300 pounds? No, you got to start with five the pounds. The Lord says iron sharpens iron. Yeah. 
something hard, rubbing against something harder creates friction. Mm-hmm. Once it's hot enough, it can be molded. Yes. Okay? Fire purifies, it identifies, mm-hmm. right? And it makes things safe. Mm-hmm. Burns off all impurities. Mm-hmm. So if I'm getting a little soft, I just want to rub on them and say, bruh. There you go. Are you in the there Word? There you go, yeah. You're preaching the same sermons every Sunday. You memorize the same <laughs> 10 verses every time I see you. Yeah. How, have you ever read the book of Job? Mm. Uh, why? Well, it's the first documented Bible book written in antiquity. It was written first. What, oh, you didn't know it wasn't chronological? Yeah, you should probably read your Bible. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you for indulging me in that point. So last question, because I've kept you longer than I said I was going to. This is good. In retrospect, what is something that you wish you knew before becoming a church leader? Um, you know, the, that could be a loaded question because there's a whole lot. But I think the one thing to me that I wish I understood more is church leaders are human beings as well. Means that they have a calling on their life. They're anointed, but they make mistakes. They're growing. They're learning. They're still honing their gifts. A pastor who can be a pastor for 30 years can still be honing his gift. He um, is a human being. He's working out issues that has happened maybe as a kid or um, hurt. And so that's going to uh, affect what he's doing. Um, I think for me, that is the thing that focuses back on me and being um, a part of a church leadership is to make sure that I don't always present that, oh, I'm perfect. You know, that, oh, I got it. And no, I'm a human being. And I'm, I'm learning just like you're learning. I'm striving to get to heaven. You're striving to get to heaven. Let's do this together. Just because I've been here a little bit longer than you don't mean that um, I necessarily know more than you. You know, um, you can help me with things just like I can help you with things. I think that's the thing for me. It, it almost crushed me when um, I was younger. I was a teenager and there was a assistant pastor at a church I grew up in. And um, this is when I was in prison. I called and I heard that he wasn't even going to church. He had decided to go a different way. And that crushed me. Like, Lord, if he's doing that, well, how am I going to make it? And the Lord was like, well, that's what you get for putting your trust in a man. Mm. Mm. He's a human being. Mm. So it doesn't matter. So for me, when I look at pastors, when I look at elders, I look at, hey, they're anointed, but they have to walk in the anointing. And sometimes we don't always walk in the anointing. So I don't get disappointed when they make a mistake. You just see, hey, that's all right. Get up. Get up. Because when I fall, I need you to help me get up. Right on. So that's something that's really, I think, the most powerful thing that I've learned when it comes to leadership. Amen. Well, Brother Shannon, Elder Shannon, thank you. So for my listeners, you mind telling us if they're looking for a place to worship, please give us the name and address of, of your church, sir. Emmanuel Apostolic Church. We are currently having services in the Marvin Williams Center um, on Park Avenue. 
um, in Bremerton, and it's probably close to the biggest building downtown Bremerton. So if you just walk, just drive downtown Bremerton, you see a beautiful new Bremerton. Come on and step in. And even if you, uh, most people know about Emmanuel. Um, and I, here's one thing I would like to add, if it's okay. If it's okay. Pleasure. God is everywhere. And so you may never come to Bremerton. You know, I have an opportunity through my brother here to speak to the world. <laughs> you may be in Chicago. You may be in New York. There are churches there. There are people who are Holy Ghost filled. Don't say, well, when I get to Washington, then I'll go. No, uh, go to church. Read your word and seek out who God is. And I'm telling you, if you do that, he's going to illuminate some things to you. So grow where you're planted. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Brother Shannon. And everybody, this has been Brother David. You're a messy minister and welcome. And thank you uh, for joining me and Elder Shannon for words for your walk.